your Bibles with you this morning, I go ahead and invite you to turn to the, uh, the Gospel of Mark, to chapter 7. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 24 through 30 this morning. After preaching through Mark's Gospel in many places over the last couple of years... I finally got Pastor Chris on board with that, and last week he preached from, from Mark. So uh, it took about three years for that to happen, but we, we got back-to-back weeks uh, in Mark here. And so, uh, but this, week, this morning we'll be in, uh, in chapter 7. Uh, Jesus is he's entering a new phase of his ministry. Uh, he's moving outside of Israel. Uh, he's been, previously he's been ministering in the areas around the Sea of Galilee. And he's moving uh, out of there and uh, into new territory. Uh, in Galilee, he had faced a lot of opposition from the Pharisees. We, if you look back at the beginning of chapter 7, he had been debating uh, with the Pharisees about the place of the law. The Pharisees were, were arguing that salvation could, could come through the law. Uh, they were trying to make their own religion. And so as we, as we move into uh, Jesus' encounter uh, with this Syrophoenician woman this morning... Uh, it really points us to where salvation comes from and who it's for. As we see Jesus crossing boundaries uh, to extend his mercy to others outside of Israel. And it really begs the question of who, who is salvation for? Uh, is it for certain people groups uh, or some people excluded? Who is it really that the gospel is for? So we'll see that this morning uh, as we turn to Mark chapter 7, uh, picking up at verse 24 now. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask in these next few moments that you would reveal yourself to us through your word and what it means for our lives Uh, that you would reveal great truths to us from your word this day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I assume that most of us in the room are familiar uh, with the story of Cinderella. Uh, Being the father of two girls, you can't help but to have come across this story and many other Disney stories over the last couple years. And so you become very familiar with it. And so when you're thinking through things, it just those thoughts come into your head. Those are the things that, that first pop into your head is Disney movies. And so, uh, as you know, in the story of Cinderella, uh, she is mistreated by her uh, stepmother and stepsisters. They treat her uh, very uh, cruel. They're very ugly to her. Uh, she's she's uh, treated as a servant in her own household, uh, having to wait on her vain uh, and obnoxious stepsisters. And then we know as the story goes along, though, that the king uh, organizes a ball uh, for his, his son, the prince, uh, to try to find a wife for his son. 
And so all the, the ladies in the kingdom come and, and they meet the prince. And of course, you know, Cinderella gets there uh, late and, and the, the prince is, uh, he's, he's captivated by her and he eventually chooses her uh, over all the other uh, girls in the kingdom. And, and so Lady Tremaine and the stepsisters, they cannot believe, though, that the prince would choose Cinderella, this, uh, this uh, servant girl that they were using as a servant in her own house. And they, they, they can't get over why he would choose her uh, to, to want to, to marry. And so they laugh at the idea. But I think oftentimes, though, this is how we, uh, we think about others, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, or may, maybe even this is how we think about ourselves. We wonder, are some people uh, good enough uh, for, for the gospel, for, to be Christians? Uh, why would, what would Jesus want to have to do with, with certain people, those who are neglected, those who are considered uh, not important by our culture? And like I said, we don't always intentionally think this way, but I think a lot of times we do. We're just unaware of it. We get caught up in our own little worlds and we forget that there are other people out there that that need the gospel. There are other people out there hurting in various ways. And they need to hear uh, the hope of the gospel, that there's people different from us out there. They need to know that Christ loves them and that forgiveness and life are found in his name, in his name only. Or maybe even bring it down personally to our own selves. Uh, Sometimes we think... uh, Am I good enough for God to love me? Have I done enough good things for God to love me? When I sin and mess up, is God, does God love me less? I've done too many bad things for Jesus to care about me. Maybe that's how you were thinking this morning as you walked in. Maybe even this past week in some way. You wonder, am I good enough for Jesus to love me, to show his mercy to me? And so we see in our text this morning, though, that it reminds us that who it is that Jesus cares about as we see him encountering uh, this Syrophoenician woman. And so who is, as we turn to the text this morning, who is who is this woman uh, that Jesus encounters? Mark gives us a little bit of details about her. He tells us uh, that she's from the area of of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, This was an area uh, west of Galilee, northwest of Galilee is on the Mediterranean coast uh, where modern day Lebanon uh, sits today. In this area, Tyre and Sidon had a long history of conflict uh, with Israel. They were bitter enemies of Israel. Uh, back in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings, uh, Tyre uh, was the, the home of Jezebel, the, uh, the wife of King Ahab, who uh, led God's people astray in the northern kingdom, and they worshipped the Baals and other gods. And, uh, and so this was where she was from. This was her territory. And Tyre also fought against the Jews in the Maccabean revolt that happened in the century before uh, Christ lived on earth. And so this area was considered to be some of Israel's most bitter enemies. And so this is where this woman's coming from. And Jesus has crossed over. He's, he's left uh, Israel and he's gone over into, into a new part uh, of the land. And so, uh, and so this woman's uh, ethnicity alone was a problem uh, for her. Uh, she was from a place uh, that was hated by Israel, uh, where Jesus was from and, and where, the, where the Pharisees uh, lived. But not only was her ethnicity a problem, but her gender uh, was also a problem. She was a woman, Mark tells us. And, and women uh, in that day and time were not respected. They were not treated well uh, by the culture. Uh, that they lived in. And so before she even approaches Jesus, she's got all these things going against her. She's from, from a land uh, that's hated by, by Israel, by the Jews. Uh, she's a woman. She shouldn't be uh, approaching Jesus. And, uh, and so uh, she's got all these things going against her. It's like um, 
when you apply for a job, what do you do? You submit uh, a cover letter, a resume, your, your uh, qualifications, what you have done, what you have accomplished, uh, why you should get this job. And so if this woman was to submit a resume as to why uh, she could approach Jesus, uh, she would have nothing to offer. Her resume uh, would be bare. She had nothing to justify her approaching Jesus like this. Uh, she was a Syrophoenician from an from a area that was a longtime enemy of Israel. She was a woman who should not be approaching Jesus. But this woman doesn't care about distinctions. She approaches Jesus anyway because her little girl uh, is, is in dire need. She's in trouble. She's, uh, she's sick. She's oppressed by this demon, Mark tells us in verses 25 and 26, that she had an unclean spirit. And so she comes and she falls down at Jesus' feet, much like Jairus did back in chapter 5. And she begs Jesus to rid her daughter of this oppression, to cast this demon out of her. But she had nothing to claim uh, to, uh, to approach Jesus by. She, she had nothing that would uh, make it right for her to approach Jesus. But she comes to him anyway. And she boldly approaches him. And the only thing she brought to the table was her desperate need. Her desperate need of her little girl to be healed. And so what we see is this woman comes to Jesus as she was in need. That's the first thing we see in our text this morning, that she was in need. Her little girl was sick. She was oppressed. And if you think back and, and look in the other gospel accounts uh, where you see uh, demon possession, uh, it's torture. It's miserable for the person. There's a story of the guy throwing himself into, into fire. And then there's the, the guy back in chapter 5 who's living out in the caves because uh, he, he had been oppressed by this demon for so long uh, that he couldn't even live and be around people. He was cast out of, the, out of his town. And so you can imagine what was going through this woman's mind as she comes to Jesus and she falls down at his feet and she begs him uh, and pleads with him uh, to heal her daughter. She's a, she's a person in need. And we are just like this woman, though, too. We come to Jesus in need. We bring nothing to the table. We have nothing to offer uh, before Jesus. We have, our goodness isn't good enough. There's nothing good enough. The only thing we have is our desperate need of forgiveness. That's what we bring to Jesus. We have nothing to offer that makes us good. Uh, in his sight. And, and just the same way with this woman here this morning. But as she comes to Jesus, uh, how does Jesus respond to her? We see that in verse 27. Jesus responds to her, uh, her plea to heal her little girl. And his response is somewhat confusing when you first read it. He's, this is what he says. In verse 27 he says, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And you read that and you're kind of like, what's Jesus talking about? It's almost like sometimes you read things that Paul says, you have to really think about it for a little while. And Jesus says a lot of these things in the New Testament. Then uh, upon first hearing, you really ha have no idea what he's talking about. But when you hear this word uh, dogs, it appears to be an insult. Uh, in, in its context, dogs were associated, uh, particularly in the Jewish culture, dogs were associated with uncleanness. They were expendable. They were worthless, miserable creatures. Uh, the Gentiles were called dogs. Uh, they were worthless creatures. They were not special. And, and as, uh, as Jewish leaders, uh, they considered the Gentiles to be ignorant, godless people. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Chris talking about how uh, difficult and how uh, fierce the, the conflict was between Jews and Gentiles in its day. And that's, that's what's going on, too, in the context of our text this morning. Uh, the, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, thought that the, uh, the Gentiles were dogs. They were uh, miserable, worthless people. And so as we hear Jesus refer to this woman uh, as a dog, 
We're thinking, Jesus is being kind of rude here. What's he doing? This is, isn't this the same Jesus who fed the 5,000? Isn't this the same Jesus who, who delivered uh, the disciples from the storm? Isn't this the same Jesus who healed the unnamed woman and Jairus' daughter back in chapter 5? Uh, what's happened to Jesus? Why is he saying this uh, to the woman? It doesn't fit with the Jesus we've come to know in the Gospels. It appears that he's calling her a dirty old street dog, basically, when he, when he refers to her uh, as a dog. And so what's Jesus talking about here? Well, to understand what Jesus is talking about, you have to look at a little bit of the original text. And usually, when in teaching and preaching, I don't like to get too much into the details of, of the original text. I think it, it makes... Uh, those who don't have a background in Greek, for example, think that the, the Bible is only accessible if you can read Greek. Uh, you don't have to know Greek to read the Bible. The Bible is accessible uh, to, to all folks. Uh, it's, it's written in many languages. But there is something here. If you look at the, the original text, it helps us understand what Jesus is talking about and gives us a little perspective. Uh, we have to look at that word that he uses for dog. Uh, it's not the typical word used for dog to, to describe like a dirty old street Street dog, for example, but it's the diminutive word used to designate a small dog, like a house pet, a little house pet that you would have at home. Uh, many of you have uh, pets, uh, dogs, and cats in your homes, and so what Jesus is referring to here is 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 a small dog, like a house pet. And so he's using the word dog in, in a more affectionate way, and he releases it from its negative uh, meaning and connotation, from its offensive sense. And so, but if, if Jesus isn't using dog in an offensive way, we still have the problem of the children being fed first. Jesus talks about uh, this idea of the children being fed first and the dogs eating the crumbs from the table. And so it seems like Jesus is giving preferential treatment to the children. And so first we need to identify who these children are. And the children that Jesus uh, is referring to is, is Israel. Uh, in, 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 the, in the scriptures, Israel is considered the children of God. In Exodus, back in Exodus chapter 4, uh, the Lord refers to Israel as his firstborn son. Uh, Israel was the children of God. Israel was the nation, the people that God's covenant promises came to. And so the real issue then between Jesus and the woman is not uh, if the Gentiles are entitled to God's mercies, to God's blessings, but it's an issue of priority. Priority is the issue uh, that we're dealing with here. And what Jesus is saying by saying the children, in other words, Israel, will be fed first, he's saying that his mission uh, was first and, foremore, first and foremost to the house of Israel. He says that in, in, in other parts of the Gospels. He says that he primarily, his first uh, mission, his first priority was coming and preaching the Gospel to Israel, to God's chosen people. That God was making a way for sins to be forgiven. As we see Paul, too, himself, later in the New Testament, in Romans, in Romans chapter 1, affirming this. Paul says, in Romans chapter 1, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And so you see what Paul is saying there. It says the gospel came to the Jews first, but then it also came to the Greek. In other words, to Gentiles. And so we see... That what's going on here is it's an issue of priority. But the woman, she's not discouraged by this. She's not discouraged by what Jesus says. She, in fact, she understands uh, what Jesus is saying. And her response in verse 28 really reveals how much she really gets the gospel. Uh, she says in verse 28, she says, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And so what she's saying is even the, uh, the dogs under the table uh, are entitled to God's blessings, to God's, uh, God's mercies. 
And so it's interesting to note the, the word the woman uses, though, for children when she replies to Jesus. Uh, Jesus uh, uses the word uh, technon, which, which means biological children. In other words, in a, in a figurative sense, Jesus is saying uh, that Israel is the biological children of God. But the word that the woman uses is paideon, which is a more inclusive term, uh, and it implies that both children and the servants, uh, the, in other words, the entire household would be fed uh, from, from the bread on the table, from the gospel. And so what she's saying is that the little house dogs that sit under the table are going to eat the crumbs of the bread that fall from the table. In other words, that God's mercies extend beyond Israel. They extend to, to other peoples. That yes, they come first to Israel, but they also extend to people groups outside of Israel. And so we see that happening in our text this morning. And what's going on really here with the woman is that she's getting the gospel. She's understanding the gospel. In fact, she's understanding the gospel and what Jesus is doing at this point uh, in his life better than the disciples do. They spend all this time with Jesus up until this point. She gets that the gospel comes first to Israel and then to, to other people groups, to Gentiles. In fact, we see, uh, talk about the disciples not understanding. If you look over in the uh, parallel account in Matthew uh, chapter 15, the disciples are impatient when this woman comes up to Jesus. They're, they urge Jesus not to waste his time with this woman. They've got better things to do. They've got other places to be and to get to. But, it's, but her response reveals that she, she accepts Israel's privilege. She's okay with that. She's content with Israel's place as, as being the, the first recipients of the gospel. She, but she realizes there's enough food to go around. And so she can be content receiving just a little breadcrumb if it means experiencing God's grace and his mercy. And so she's not offended by Jesus' words to her. In fact, she contends with him and her words reveal the depth of, of her understanding. She gets the gospel. Her confidence in Jesus is not shaken. And so what we see Jesus doing here is he's challenging the woman. He's testing her faith. And she responds. She contends with Jesus and she responds well to him. She, her response in verse 28 tells, tells Jesus and it tells us as we're reading that here today that she gets the gospel and she's not deterred uh, by Jesus' uh, response to her. In fact, she persists in her understanding of who Jesus is. And so what's the result then? If this woman uh, understands Jesus, she understands what he's come to do, what's the result of her response uh, to Jesus? And so we see in verse 29... Uh, Jesus says, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And so she returns home and she finds her daughter healed. Uh, she's lying in bed, no longer oppressed uh, by this demon. She was instantly healed uh, at, at the moment Jesus spoke those words to her. And in fact, if, in looking back at the Matthew 15 account of this same uh, story, Jesus commends her as a woman of great faith. And so he, he recognizes the faith that this woman had. She was a Syrophoenician woman, persistent and unrelenting in, in pursuing Jesus. She understood his words to her. She got who he was. And in fact, she was the first person in Mark's gospel to really understand one of Jesus' parables. She's the first one to get Jesus' words to her, that, that what Jesus was speaking to her was the mystery of the kingdom of God. In other words, that the gospel came first to Israel. Jesus came to preach the gospel to Israel, but he also came... Uh, and that mission would extend later on to Gentiles and, and people groups outside of Israel. And she recognizes that God's mercy is so great that there's enough to go around, even to her. A little house pet, a little house dog. 
And it overflows to her, the Syrophoenician woman, an enemy, a historical enemy of Israel that God's grace and mercy overflows and abounds to her. She joins the number of those outside of Israel who have been included in God's mercy from the beginning of, beginning of time. I think about Rahab of Jericho back in Joshua when Israel came into the promised land. Uh, she and her family were spared uh, from the destruction that came. And then in First Kings chapter 17, the widow of Zarephath, uh, who actually lived in the area of Sidon where this story takes place. Uh, she was spared uh, and provided for by God through the prophet Elijah. In fact, when the, the widow of Zarephath lived... And if you, you can look back later today in the account in 1 Kings 17, there was a severe drought in the land. Uh, the people were suffering. And through Elijah, God provided food. He provided relief for the people, for her, for her and her household. And even later on, when her son became sick, uh, through Elijah, God worked and brought her son uh, back to health, back to life. And so we see in all three scenarios, people coming to Jesus, and they are outside of Israel. Rahab, the widow of Zarephath, and the Syrophoenician woman. But we see God in all three situations. He's providing relief, uh, deliverance to people outside of Israel. And not, and not just to, to any person, but to women who were often uh, not well respected during this time period. And so what we see is God's doing here is he's crossing boundaries to make his mercy known, to extend his grace to others. And Jesus is doing that same thing here in, in Mark chapter 7 this morning. He is crossing boundaries to make his mercy known. And it extends his grace to this woman, an enemy of God's people. And this, this woman would not have been respected by the Pharisees. And what's so ironic about this is the Pharisees claimed to be followers of God. And they would have nothing to do with this woman. But there's Jesus going to her, crossing boundaries as she comes to him, and he's extending his grace and mercy to her. He responds to this woman's great faith and brings healing to her little girl. And so we see that her faith brings real results to her life. Francis Schaeffer, in his book, True Spirituality, in the first couple of pages, talks about this. He says, all people are separated from God. All people are separated from God because of their true moral guilt. In other words, all any human being that's ever lived is separated from God apart from Christ because of our true moral guilt. We have, we have violated and abused God's word in various ways. And this is what he says. He says, only the finished substitutionary work of Christ upon the cross as the Lamb of God in history, space, and time is enough to remove this guilt. And the instrument that we receive this forgiveness is by faith. That faith is completed in the, faith, having faith in the completed and finished work of Jesus Christ brings peace with God. It brings forgiveness with God. And so, in other words, what he's saying here is that real results come from our faith. And that's what we see happening in the story this morning with the woman. Uh, she had faith in Christ. She called upon him as the son of David. Again, if you look back in the Matthew 15 account that gives us a few more details, she refers to him as son of David. She knew who Jesus was. She refers to him by the title Son of David. And she knew that he had enough mercy, that there was enough mercy in God to abound to her, a Gentile woman from outside of Israel. But not only did Jesus heal her little girl, but it's, I think in the context it's implied that this woman received uh, salvation, forgiveness due to her great faith in Jesus. She called upon Jesus as the Son of David. She understood his mission and what he had come to do. She was a woman of great faith, as Matthew's account tells us. And so we see that she experienced real results from her faith. 
that the guilt of her sins were removed just as much as anyone else who called upon Jesus in faith as Lord and Savior. And so real results came from her faith. And so what can we take away from this story this morning, though? Uh, There are a number of things, and there are just a few here that I want to mention uh, before we come to the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. Uh, The first thing is that we saw that this woman's faith was tested. Jesus challenged her faith uh, in, in the parable he told her. And our faith is often tested in our lives. We experience things uh, that test our faith. We have events and circumstances that happen in our lives. And we don't always understand them. We don't know why they happen the way they do. But they do. But how, the, the, the key thing is, is how we respond in moments like this. How do we respond in moments when our faith is tested? Do we give up? Do we throw in the towel and say, you know, all is hopeless, all is lost? Or do we persist? Do we persist trusting in God, knowing that He is good and faithful, He is merciful to all those who call upon Him, that He is with you in the midst of discouragement. He is, the, in the, he is with you in the midst of trying circumstances. So that's the first thing I think we can take away is, is that our faith is often tested, but really uh, when it's tested... The key thing is how do we respond to it? Do we persist? Do we continue trusting in Jesus? Or do we give up? So the second thing I think we can take away uh, from our text this morning is, is we need to get to know our neighbors. In other words, uh, the people uh, that, that are in our spheres of influence and the places where we work and where we live and, and where we live life each and every day. Uh, we see this woman. She was in great need. She was in desperate need. Her daughter was tormented, uh, oppressed by this demon. And if we look around and take the time to look around uh, in our neighborhoods, uh, in the places where we work, uh, at the uh, families and the, and the people that our kids go to school with, our friends, wherever it may be that we spend our time and know people, uh, we need to take time getting to know people in those places because those are people that are hurting. They are hurting and dealing with things uh, very similar to our own lives. And so uh, if we look around, we are surrounded by others in need. And so get to know uh, those people. Uh, know that God can use you uh, in those situations to, to open a door uh, to, to share the gospel with these people maybe. Because uh, there's always people in need around us. In fact, in our own experience ourselves living here in Rochester, uh, we have met people inside and outside the church, of course, uh, that, are, that are in need. And they're in, in need of words of hope and words of encouragement. And we, we have those words of hope. We have those wor- words of hope for a, for a world that's suffering from the effects of the fall. We have... Uh, words of hope for people that are suffering from their own sin and alienation from God. And so don't be afraid to cross boundaries and step out of, out of our comfort zones, out of your comfort zones, to, and, and know that God can use you uh, to reach others uh, with His gospel. And in a practical way, we can do this to step outside of our comfort zones and to, to serve those who are often forgotten about and neglected uh, in our, our community uh, is a place that Pastor Chris mentioned last week. He mentioned Zumbro Ridge Estates. Uh, it's just a couple of miles here from the church. Uh, it's on North Broadway, just past uh, where the new 55th Street extension uh, hits North Broadway. It's there on, on the left. And, uh, and oftentimes, uh, you, could, you could drive out North Broadway and you would not even know it's there. Uh, in fact, when we first moved to Rochester, we would always leave the church and, and head up uh, head north to, to John Claypool's house where we lived for the first number of months while we were here. And, and oftentimes you would not know that this um, mobile home park is over there on the left. Uh, but Pastor Chris mentioned this last month, um, excuse me, last week. And I, in fact, I last month had the chance to go out and meet uh, the lady uh, who's the property manager there. And, uh, and she has you know, a great vision for the community there. Uh, it's a place where 
uh, maintenance has been neglected for a number of years on the properties, uh, not due to hers or um, the current management's uh, fault, but to things that have happened in the past years and years ago. And so her vision is to, um, to make this a community within a community, is what she told me, and, and to, uh, to make this a place where uh, people uh, uh, want to bring their friends to and, and, and can take pride in living at. Like I said, it's a place that uh, has a lot of neglected maintenance to it, for a number of years, it's, it's a place that's probably 75% Cambodian, as Pastor Chris mentioned last week. It's people that don't look like us. It's people that are different from us, who have different backgrounds and different stories. Uh, but they are uh, all people in need, just like us. They are people in need. And so uh, recently, Bear Creek Church... Uh, here in town has been partnering with the, the property manager and they've been uh, working to, um, as I said, make the, the property more livable for the folks there to, to do repairs and all the things that are needed to be done there. And so I think this is a practical way for us to love our neighbors as, as we are currently looking at ways we can come alongside uh, Bear Creek Church and, and partner with them in, in serving the people there at Zumbro Ridge Estates. Uh, people that are oftentimes ignored. And so you know, let's just maybe dream for a minute here of what that could look like. Um, you know, maybe as, as, um, as people in our congregation are moved and, and have gifts and abilities to serve in this way uh, that, that are handy uh, with, a, with a tool, uh, can, can uh, take part in some of the things going on out there. And maybe even one day as we develop relationships with the folks there, uh, that we're able to host some kind of VBS for the children and the families uh, there uh, in this community. And so that's just a practical way. Uh, that we can, we can cross boundaries, step out of our comfort zones, and to serve uh, those around us in our neighborhood here at the church. And the last thing I would say is, uh, is to, to humble ourselves, though. Uh, none of us are as important as we think we are. Uh, we're not special. We're not significant. Our goodness does not save us. And, and we see that uh, in, our, in our story this morning. And I think, like I said earlier, too, we, we get caught up in our own worlds, and, and uh, we live in... In our, uh, in our own uh, Reformed Presbyterian world. And a lot of times we forget there are other people out there that need uh, to hear the gospel. Uh, and so uh, to, to rest in the finished work of Christ and receive him by faith. And so, like I said, we live in Rochester. It's a very busy place. Uh, I've learned in our time here, Rochester is a very busy place. And so oftentimes in that busyness, we, we forget uh, the needs of others. And we neglect others that are out there. And so, uh, and so we forget that there's a world needing to hear uh, the gospel, the gospel of grace, that we have these words of hope uh, to share with others. And so we need to humble ourselves and remember that there are others out there in need of God's grace and in need of his mercy. And that God can use us uh, to extend that grace and mercy uh, to others. <clears throat> and so why would we do this? Why would we go and, and give our time to, to a place like Zumbar Ridge Estates or just to the people in our neighborhoods? Uh, maybe that your neighbors next door or that live behind you or uh, you know, someone in your workplace or school or wherever it might be. Why would we, uh, we want to serve uh, people in these places? And we can only do that because cause Jesus first came and crossed boundaries on, on our behalf. Jesus crossed over from his eternal home in heaven and came to earth and lived as a man uh, for 30 plus years. He took on human flesh and he suffered and died and he was raised to new life and so that all those who believe in him might have forgiveness before God. This is the same gospel, the same gospel that the Syrophoenician woman understood. That God's salvation came first to Israel, but also that it came to the little house pets, the little dogs such as herself. And she knew that God's mercy reached across boundaries. She knew that Jesus' mercy was generous. 
as he crosses boundaries to extend that. And we see that happening in our, in our text this morning. Jesus crosses boundaries, physical boundaries, cultural boundaries, to bring the gospel uh, to other peoples. And so that same mercy is extended to us here today that those, that those who are in need of Jesus and call upon Him, God's mercy and forgiveness is extended to them. No matter your race, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your social standing, none of these matter. The only thing that matters is, am I in need of God's forgiveness? Do I recognize that I cannot save myself and that I need righteousness outside of myself? That I need perfection outside of myself. That I'll never be good enough to earn God's mercy. And recognizing this, that we fall and call upon Jesus. Just as this woman fell and came at Jesus' feet and called upon Him to save her little, little girl. Do we recognize this and call upon Him in faith knowing that Christ's blood is enough for us? And all of this is possible because Jesus crossed over boundaries to extend His mercy at the cross. All of this is possible. And so it's because of God's mercy that we, as little dogs, get to eat from the children's table because of God's mercy that's extended to us at the cross. And so that should motivate us and encourage us to go out and extend this same mercy to others as we serve people in the places where God's placed us. Let me pray now. Father, we thank you for your word and for this story this morning. Uh, and what it teaches us and what it tells us about your mercy and who it goes to. Uh, to all those who call upon you in faith, Lord. And so I do pray that you would encourage us from your word this morning. That you would strengthen us and sustain us and enable us to go out and live in light uh, of what you have done for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Read to us now Matthew's account of the Lord's Supper. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread... And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We see this morning from our text that Jesus' mercy is generous as he extends his mercy uh, to this woman. This woman who had no claims to approach him. This woman who had nothing in her resume uh, to approach him as God's son. But she approaches him anyway. And she knew that even as a little house pet, as we said, that she, would, that she could eat from the table, uh, the breadcrumbs from the table, uh, that, that fell down on the floor. And this woman had great faith. And she knew that one day, that maybe she was just getting a breadcrumb then, that, but that one day she could eat fully of this meal at Christ's return. And she would eat and drink with all those who call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior at His return would do this one day. And so the Lord's Supper does point us. It points us to that day uh, when Christ will return and, and, and renew and complete the new heavens and new earth. And so this meal points, as I said, points to that day and reminds us of what Christ has done. And that because Jesus suffered and died, uh, that that day will come when, when Christ uh, rids the world of all sin and evil forever. And so this meal uh, is for those who are trusting in Jesus. Uh, as this woman trusted in Jesus. 
and are putting their faith in Jesus knowing that, they, that we cannot save ourselves but that we, that we fall completely upon Christ and rest in Him and look to Him, uh, to, to His goodness and not our own goodness. And so if that describes you this morning, if you are putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you have been baptized uh, in a church and are a member in a church that, that preaches and proclaims the gospel and are at peace with, with God and your neighbor, then we invite you to come and take of this meal. Uh, if you're here this morning too and at the same time don't know Jesus, you're still trying to figure out who Jesus is uh, and, and, and why he matters, what he has done, uh, then we ask you to, uh, to let the elements pass you by and use this time uh, instead to, to ask the Lord to, to reveal himself to you, to help him, to help you to understand who he is and what he has done for you. But if you're putting your faith and your trust in Christ and rest in him, uh, then come and take and eat of this meal that your faith might be strengthened, that you might be encouraged to go out as you go out and live uh, this week. Let me pray for us now. Lord, we thank you for crossing boundaries, for humbling yourself on our behalf and extending your mercy to us. Uh, people not deserving of your grace, but you extend it to us anyway, Lord. And so we pray that you would encourage us now as we take of this meal uh, that our faith might be strengthened. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.